Okay, we are holding in middle of the first Parsha of Shema, which in my sitter is on page 46. Um, I'm going to assume it's that page number for a number of your Siddurim. Um, as we discussed many times, really all of davening until this point was a lead up until this. Um, Shema is the central mitzvah um, that we do during davening. Um, the Shema itself is made up of the three paragraphs. The Shema through Vishorecha, then Vahoyim Shemaya, then Vayomer. The first paragraph is from Parshas Vaeschanon, and that's the Shema. Um, so we, we discussed the first Pasuk, the Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokim Hashem Echad. We discussed Baruch Shem, and we got into Via Hafta. Is that on your It's all there, yeah. It's all in the last few classes that are all there, all recorded. Um, we began with the mitzvah of Avas Hashem. When we talk about Shema, so the we have love of Hashem, which we discussed is the uh, central feeling that we're trying to awaken in our relationship to Hashem, is, is that feeling of Ahava, of closeness and of love. And we talked about loving Hashem with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our might. Um, and we discussed, I'm just very quickly recapping, we discussed that when it talks about loving Hashem with all of our heart, there's the two vases there, the, the double letter vase, and we talked about what Chazal say, that it means that we're supposed to awaken a love for Hashem, both with our um, Yetzir Tov and our Yetzir to bring even our animal soul to also come to an appreciation of the goodness of Hashem. Bechol nafshecha, is already a, a further and a higher level, and that is when the love spreads from just being the love in the heart, but something that really becomes fully consuming. Um, when there's, you know, there's two types of love. There's a love that's just in the heart, or feeling of love. But then, then there's when that spills over, then I'm totally um, involved in it. The Hasidus brings that bechol nafshecha is when a person is a rutz lidvar mitzvah. Ratz levar mitzvah means running to do a mitzvah. That means because of my excitement to do it, so I, I run to do it. I don't just do it, I run to do it. it does, the love inspires an energy and an enthusiasm in all the different mitzvahs that we have. And that's b'chol nafshecha. Again, it's not only just in my heart a good feeling, it's something that spreads, something that's consuming, to the extent we're really the mitzvah of mesiras nefesh comes from these words b'chol nafshecha. Right, um, I feel the uh, the Gemara says that our, the mitzvah to love Hashem is bechol nafshecha afilu hunaytel es nafshecha. Even if it might cost a person's one's life for Hashem, we're commanded to do so, and that's something that historically we've done so many times in terrible circumstances. But we've shown that ability for bechol nafshecha to be willing even to give our life for Hashem. And then we come to the third expression of uvechol meoidecha. The word ma'idecha, which has different translations, but at the root of that word is ma'id. Ma'id means very. Excellent. Means very, means more, right? What could be more than bachal nafshecha? And this is an interesting uh, uh, topic I wanted to spend a moment on. Um, on the one hand, we say, I love Hashem with all my soul, even if He'll take my soul from me. And then it says, and then to bring that, soul, that love even to a greater level. What's greater than Mesiras Nefesh? 
What can be a greater sense of, uh, of uh, feeling of devotion or dedication than Mesiris Nefesh? So Hasidah says something very interesting. The Rebbe talked about it a number of times, and also in the Basi Lagani Maimer before of Yushvat. And he said the following. Um, we talked in an earlier class who was perhaps one of the ultimate symbols of Mesiris Nefesh that we have was Rabbi Akiva, right? We have Rabbi Akiva, who's one of the ten martyrs, the ten uh, tzaddikim who are killed, and he's the greatest of the ten. And the Gemara says that he's, he's in the middle of being killed in the most horrendous of ways. And his Talmidim, his disciples who are forced to be there, see him smiling. And they say, Rabbi, how are you smiling? When his, his, his skin was being, uh, he was being tortured to death. And he's smiling. And they say, how can you smile? And he says, Kol yomai, all of my days I was waiting for this moment when I can give my life for Hashem. How could I not be happy when it's coming? That's what Rabbi Akiva said. And here we have this, like, what could be greater and more amazing than this concept of a person who's able to give his life for Hashem and smile while he's doing it because this is what I was waiting to do. And that's, that's just amazing. But here comes Chassidus and says that that's amazing and it's beautiful. But there's something even greater. What could be greater than that? He says, Rabbi Akiva was looking for Mesiris Nefesh. He was looking to come to the level of the greatest possible form of union of giving my soul for Hashem. Says, is really the previous Rabbi writes in the Maimer. Then you have Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu was also perfectly willing to go on Mesiris Nefesh, as he did. Right? He was thrown into the fire, um, the fiery furnace, and so on. But Avram never said he's looking for Mesiris Nefesh. He was looking for one thing, to fulfill whatever Hashem wants for me. Now, that might, if, if, if it requires giving my life, so be it. But that's not, I don't have a, a goal. So no agenda. If you're no agenda. Exactly. Agenda. No agenda whatsoever, excellently put, is greater than a Mesiris Nefesh agenda. Agenda means I'm looking for some level of perfection. And I want to get to the ultimate perfection, and that means dying for Hashem. That's wonderful. I mean, it's great. But the ultimate servant is not looking for that either. The ultimate servant is looking to serve. And that, that's all. And if serving requires going through fire, so be it. If it requires living every day and doing what I have to do, so be it. I'm a servant of Hashem. So Bechal Ma'idecha, says Chassidus, is really taking it even a step further where I'm just to- total bittel, total nullification, whatever Hashem wants, that's what I'm there to do. And that's Bechol Ma'idech. Okay, but I want to I sort of, move for- further and focus on further. So th- the opening of the Shema is clearly about Ahavas Hashem, loving Hashem on all the different levels that we discussed of loving and, and, and very great and intense forms of love. What's the rest of the paragraph about? After the first two lines. Again, the first two lines were loving Hashem with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our might. Okay, now what are, you know, I have a, a kindergarten sitter in front of me, so the lines are numbered, and that's so from line five through line ten, which is the, last, the latter part of the first section of Shema. What is it all about? If, you'd, if we could give it one word as a topic for the rest of the Shema, it's about Torah. About Torah study. Let's let's look at the words. 
V'hoyu hadvarim ha'ila, these words, Asher anoichi mitzavcha hayoyim, that I am commanding you today, should be alivavecha, should be on your hearts. V'shinantam levanecha, you shall teach it to your children. V'dibartabam, you shall talk them the words of Torah. V'shiftecha, b'veisecha, sitting at home, b'lechtecha baderach, going in the way, v'shachbecha, when you go to sleep, v'kumecha, when you wake up. Ukshartam lo'esal yedecha, tie it to your, tie it as a sign on your arms, v'yilotay t'veisbenenecha, and between your eyes. Uchesavtam al mezuzes b'secha v'sharecha, to write it on the mezuzes of your home and in the gates of your homes. Again, a number of lines, a number of words, but what's the, what's the, Dominant theme of most, again, of this latter part of the paragraph, it's all about Torah. These words that I've told you um, should be on your hearts and you should teach them to your children and you should speak about them when you're traveling and when you're at home and in the morning and in the night and you should tie them to your arms and on your heads and put them on the doorposts, tefillin, mezuzah. It's all about our involvement in divrei Torah. And here the question is, what's the flow? How does Shema go from, if you think about it, there's really three primary themes in this first section of Shema. The first theme was the Pasuk of Shema Yisrael, which was Achtus Hashem, the oneness of Hashem. Hashem Achad, there's nothing but Hashem. That was the first line. Then there was two lines totally devoted to Ahavas Hashem, loving Hashem. And then there's the next couple of lines totally devoted to our involvement in Torah study, um, and keeping the Torah close to us in our hearts and in our mouths and, our, and our teaching our children and putting it on our doorpost and putting it on our arms and our head, all about Torah study. How does A lead into B and B lead into C all within this first paragraph of Shema? So, A leads into B because how do we create love of Hashem? By thinking about Hashem's greatness and thinking about Hashem's oneness. That's, that's the Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. Let's think about the oneness of Hashem and the greatness of Hashem and that will arouse within us the feelings of, 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 of love and closeness and desire for Hashem. That's how Shema leads into Vahafta. What does that have to do with Torah study? How does that immediately turn around and the next five lines all about the importance of, of learning Torah and teaching Torah and in every place and connecting Torah to our mind and our heart and our head and our house how does the Ava go into the Torah? So, so Hasidus explains. He says the following. Because <clears throat> you love what the person loves. You love what the thing loves. Okay, but that's a good answer. But then that's not specifically on Torah. Sorry, that could also be Avas Yisrael. There's other things that Hashem might love. There's something more than that. Which is, love is a desire to connect. That's what love is. Love is really the word ahava has to do with the root of the Hebrew word of ava, which is to desire, to want, to want to connect, to want to come close. The greatest ability of connection that we have with Hashem, that Hashem gave us, is through learning His Torah. Hashem put Himself into His Torah. Um, we discussed many times that the first word of the Torah that Hashem told us is anoichi. Uh, the first word of the Ten Commandments, so the Sarah Sadibris is Anoichi, I, excellent. And the word Anoichi also stands for, what are those four letters as an acronym for? Ana, Nafshi, Ksavis, Yehavis. The Gemara actually says that. It's a Gemara in Shem, Shabbos, that Anoichi is an acronym 
For I, my essence, have in my writings have placed myself. Again, in Aramaic, Ano, I, Nafshi, my soul or my essence, Ksavis, in my writings, Yehovis, have given myself over. So really what Torah is, is Hashem in a capsule. Hashem took His infinite greatness and His infinite self and encapsulated it in the ideas of Torah that we learn. So when we start and saying, we have that, we, we have that, we, we work on that feeling of avas Hashem, of, close, of wanting that closeness, of the desire to come close, Hashem's response is, okay, I've given you a way how. You can learn this, you can internalize this, you can understand this, and when you're learning and, and internalizing this, you're actually taking me into you. So really what we have here is that we have two forms of connecting to Hashem. When we're loving Hashem, it's me talking to Hashem, so to speak, me going up towards Hashem. Torah is Hashem giving himself down to me. Right? Torah is Hashem's words coming down to me, um, connecting to me. Um, we talked way back in the beginning of our tefillah classes that the Zahar calls tefillah a ladder, a sulam. Hine sulam now a ladder has two ways. There's, you can climb up the ladder and come down the ladder. Really there's the ladder where we ascend to connect to Hashem. And the same ladder is used for Hashem to come down to us and that's Torah. Right? The word sulam which is the three Hebrew letters of Samach, Lamid, and Mem, is the gematria, is the numerical value of the word Sinai, which is Har Sinai, where Hashem gives us the Torah. Excellent. So the same ladder through, of davening, where we're trying to raise ourselves upward and connect, is also where Hashem gives Himself over to us in the Torah. And that's the connection of these two parts of this first parsha. We're working on trying to feel that, that desire and that want and that all-encompassing desire to connect. Hashem's response, so to speak, is, okay, you want to connect? Sure. These words that I'm telling you, should be alavavecha. Keep them in your heart. Vishinantim levanecha. Teach them to your children. Vidibartabam. Talk about them. Bishivtecha bevesecha. When you're at home. Belechtecha baderach. When you're traveling. Bishachbacha. When you're laying down. Bichkumecha. When you wake up in the morning. Ukshartam lois ayedecha. Tie them to your arms. Vailotevis benenecha on your head. Ukshaftam alamazuzis besecha. Put them on your doorpost. Point is, surround yourself with it. Involve yourself with it totally. And that's going to be the way that this desire that you have can be filled. What happens is sometimes we have a, a feeling of, of desire to connect, but we don't know how to do it. Um, you could have a person that's very spiritually um, awakened and wanting and wanting, but now what? What do I do? Because, and here's a beautiful idea in Tanya, um, the Navi writes, and excuse me, I don't remember right now which Navi says, but he says, All who are thirsty, go drink water, says the Navi. Now, obviously, whatever the Navim said was typically, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Allegoric. But what does it mean, asks the Alter Rebbe Tanya. You need the Navi to tell you that if you're thirsty to drink water, obviously if you're thirsty, you'll drink water. 
And if we're talking about spiritual thirst and spiritual water, again, if you're, if you're thirsty, you're going to drink the water. Why does the Navi have to tell us if you're thirsty, drink the water? And the Alter Rebbe says exact, that, that he's, he's dealing with exactly what we're dealing with here, which is sometimes we're thirsty, we're spiritually thirsty, and we don't know how to quench our thirst. Why don't we know? Because we don't necessarily feel when we learn a halacha, let's say I go to a Torah class, and I learn a halacha, I learn a concept, I don't necessarily feel how that's spiritually quenching my desire. I want to connect to Hashem. And you're telling me Hilchas Shabbos, about how to peel apples on Shabbos. Like, what's the connection? Just because I want to connect to Hashem, I want to feel all spiritual and holy and whatever, and I'm learning something very technical and, and, and maybe and not necessarily spiritually um, doesn't sound or feel spiritual. And that's what the Navi is saying. He's saying, if you really want to connect to Hashem, Hashem is there. Hashem is in the Halacha, Hashem is in the Chumash, Hashem is in the Mishnah, in the Medrash, in the Tanya, Hashem is in the Torah that He gave us. And when you're feeling that desire, the only way that you'll be, truly be able to quench that desire is if you'll be able to, to learn Torah after, after tefillah. Um, and that's really why the order really should be a person inspires themselves to desire to connect to Hashem, tefillah, and then afterward to be able to learn some Torah where I bring that down and bring that back into myself. Why does it, or is it supposed to, like, should you, you can still feel thirsty for Hashem even while you're learning Torah. Why is that? Or, like, shouldn't you feel like it punches? Right, that's a good question. Why don't we, why don't we necessarily always feel the immediate um, satisfaction? Like when a person is thirsty and drinks a cup of water, it's obvious. I was thirsty and drink the water and it's done, I'm done. And here I could be inspired and so on, and then I could learn and not feel necessarily how that um, quenched my thirst. Um, that's a very good question. Um, how do I say I don't know without sounding like I don't know? Um, <laughs> he has an answer. She, ah. she, um, that Okay, that's a thought. That's definitely a thought. Not any, not any worse than what I said anyway. Good. <laughs> very good. Very good. Um, what should I say? In, in Ruchnius, we are not, you know, we're physical people. And we don't necessarily always feel um, how A solved B. So, you know, I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, when, we take, when we eat things that are good for us nutritionally, do we always feel right away just because I ate something nutritional, so I feel the energy that fills me immediately? Not necessarily. I know this is good for me, um, and therefore I'm going to eat it. Now, sometimes I'll feel it quicker and sometimes sooner. Um, but I was saying, even physically speaking, we don't always feel the positive effect of something that we need. So if that's even physically, then how much more so spiritually? Because we're not so spiritually in touch always for a multitude of reasons. Um, so we might be getting the spiritual nutrients that we really badly need, and we might not appreciate it immediately. But really the truth is that the more we understand what it's about, and the more we're spiritually sensitive the more we will be able to feel how that's spiritually filling what I need. And I'll share with you something 
interesting, especially in relating to your question. In Tanya, there's chapter 33 and chapter 34, which I'm not going to go through the entire chapters here, but I want to talk about a point. In chapter 33, the al talks a, a lot about thinking about the oneness of Hashem and the bittel to Hashem um, and how really I'm totally included in Hashem and so on. And he, and he says that how a person can come to the greatest simcha when one focuses on this and lives with this and understands this and so on. And that's, in a nutshell, the chapter 33 in Tanya. The ultimate simcha and relationship and connection to Hashem that comes through um, thinking and learning about Hashem's, about Achtos Hashem. Right? Says the Alter Rebbe in chapter 34. And he says, but most people can't really attain that. Most people can't live with the feeling of just total bittal, total oneness of Hashem. So what do you do? So the Torah says in chapter 34, well, after you've thought about Hashem and Hashem's greatness and Hashem's oneness and so on, and then you realize that it's very difficult for regular people to live on that level, he says, you know what you should do? Learn Torah. Because when you're learning Torah, that's the way Hashem is resting within you and so on and so forth. So far, so good? I missed the link somewhere, but keep going. Okay, no, 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 I'm not going to keep going. Again, in chapter 33, he says a person should be thinking about the oneness of Hashem and the bittal to Hashem, and that's the ultimate closeness that a person can feel. That's 33. Then at 34, he says, but that's hard for most people to live on such an exalted level. So how can Hashem live within me, so to speak, in a more practical way? He says, learn to... I'm oversimplifying you, but that's what he says. He says, learn Torah and have a shear and learn, and that way Hashem is coming into you. Okay? So here comes the question that there was a great mashpia in Israel, Reb Shleimah Chaim Kesselman, passed away, I don't know, 30 years ago or so, but from the great teachers of Hasidus. And he asked the question. He says, if at the end of the day the answer is to learn Torah, so why go through all the steps of thinking about the oneness of Hashem and the greatness of Hashem and the whole spiritual thing? Just tell a person, you want to connect to Hashem? I'm sorry? Yeah. Get to the point. Right, get to the point. Why are you wasting my time? You want to connect to Hashem? Go to a shir and learn Torah. Why spend an entire chapter of Tanya telling us to think about the oneness and the greatness and the holiness and the this and the that, and then say, oh, by the way, you might not be able to really reach that. Just go to a shir. Just learn Torah. Doesn't it seem somewhat, something's missing? You know, again, don't tell me part A. Just tell me what I got to do. So he said the following. He says, true, you could not think about the oneness and the greatness, but then when you learn Torah, you'll never appreciate the spirituality of what you're accomplishing. Yeah, you're learning, you're learning Torah, you're learning a halacha, an interesting idea, an interesting medrash. But when I go through step A, and I'm thinking about Hashem, and I'm davening, and I'm trying to awaken that relationship and that connection and, and the desire to connect, and then I feel, but I don't have something to hold on to. Now I'm going to go and learn Hashem's Torah. Okay, I have something to hold on to so that that connection can really sink into me. In other words, they complement each other. When we work on our Ava session, and when we work on wanting to connect, and then we say, you know what, and how am I going to do that? By learning Hashem's Torah, now I will hopefully appreciate the Torah for what it is, and appreciate that connection that it's affording me. So, I don't know if that fully answers your question, but it, it, it has to work hand in hand. We work on trying to be inspired and uplifted. And then we say, but I can't live way up there on a cloud. I can't live in that uplifted state. I have to bring it down. When I learn Torah, that's Hashem's way of saying, here is me wrapped in a package. Here, learn the Torah. That's my chachma. That's my giving given over to you. And that's how you're able to, to um, 
hold on to that connection. So at least like you'll know the mechanics of what you just did in a sense. And, and therefore you'll appreciate it. Appreciate it. In other words, you might be getting something and not appreciate A person can go to a Torah class and it could be just totally not a spiritual experience. If I'm not looking for the spirituality, it could be an interesting concept. It could even be, you know, just, uh, you know, study. It's a nice study to study. Mm-hmm. Interesting and whatever. But it doesn't have to be spiritual, right? In the story of Hanukkah, uh, you know, Hasidus is all about that, that the Greeks had no problem with Torah study as long as leave the spirituality out of this. History. Right? It's history. It's interesting. Sometimes it's fascinating. The words and the, there's so much to study. You know, there's comparative studies, comparative religions. I can do all sorts of stuff. If I don't have this, if I'm not looking for the spirituality, although it's there, I may, I may never appreciate it. But if I'm looking for the spirituality, and then I go to the same class, suddenly that class can and should fill that void or that which I'm that 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 relationship that I'm yearning for. And that's Hashem talking back to me. Um, um, interestingly, interestingly, in this past uh, week's Torah portion, we had the. Um, the brachas of Yaakov to his sons, the 12 tribes, and one of them was Naphtali. The word Naphtali is very related to our class. Why is that? Tefillah. That's what this class is. So, so the word tefillah is, comes from the word Naphtali, which is connection. Naftuli Elohim Niftalti, Rashi says, Nishabarti Mbaili. I connected to my husband through this son that was born to us. Um, Rachel said. So, so, so in, in, a, in a mimer that I happened to be learning last week, he says that the word naftali is also connected with the word nofes li. Nofes is something that's sweet like honey. The nofes, the sweetness comes to me, and that's referring to Torah, which Torah says is mesukim kidvash v'nofes tzufim. It says in Tehillim, the Torah has the sweetness of honey. So the tefillah, which is my desire to connect to Hashem, turns around and becomes the sweetness that comes back to us in the Torah that we study afterward. So all of that is in this parsha, in this Shema. Again, in, I guess in many ways it might be the most significant paragraph in all of Davening. Is, so we talk about the oneness of Hashem, the love for Hashem, and the Torah that Hashem gives us. So we, we, we contemplate the oneness in order to arouse the love and then we say that Hashem, then we're talking about that Hashem gave us the ability to take that, to receive that, and hold on to that, and that's the Torah that He gives us. Now, another very interesting point. It says, really, there's a mitzvah to study Torah. From which pasuk in the Torah is the mitzvah to study Torah learned? In other words, Torah study is mentioned many times in Torah. Which Pasuk is quoted as the source of the mitzvah to study Torah? Vishinantam Levanecha. Right here. To teach the Torah to your children. And that is fascinating. That the mitzvah is told to us in the form of teaching, teaching and to children. No other mitzvah is like that in the entire Torah. Every mitzvah it says to do the mitzvah, whatever mitzvah it is. If it's to, I don't know, if it's to, to keep Shabbos, or it's to eat matzah on Pesach, or shake an Esther Gunlulav, or hear the shofar, or what Shemitah, or Yevil, or Shabbat, whatever mitzvah it is, it says do it. No mitzvah 
does is the mitzvah told to us in the form of, you know what, have your children keep Shabbos. Have your children eat kosher. Oh, by the way, you, you too. No, it says do it. And we have a mitzvah called chinuch. So in addition to the mitzvah that we have, we also have a mitzvah called chinuch. When it comes to Torah, it's different. The mitzvah to study Torah is given to us in the form, not of studying, but of teaching. And that's fascinating. Even halachically, the only one of the mitzvahs that we're obligated from the Torah to do with our children is Torah study. Right? We do chinuch with our children with all mitzvahs, right? But the chinuch that we do with our children with all mitzvahs is rabbinic. It's midrabbanon. The rabbis decreed that we should not wait till our children's bar bas mitzvah to try to start doing with the mitzvahs. We should do chinuch. But when it comes to teaching our children Torah, that's vishinantam levanecha. It's a pasuk. It's not rabbinic. That's the Torah law. Why is it? Why is it that Torah is different in that it's initially given over to us in a way of teaching it to children? And there's, I'm sure, more than one way to understand that. But I want to share with you a beautiful idea that the Rebbe said. And he writes the following. What's special about children, there's a lot of things special about children, but one of the things that's special about children is humility, bittel. Children know how to listen and hear, and they're not right away thinking the other way and how do we accept this and so on. They accept, they learn. That's why children can learn, can pick up, can maintain, because they're not challenging, they're listening. An extremely necessary um, component to learn Torah properly is with bittel, is with humility and knowing how to <coughs> listen and to accept. Mm. Now, of course, questions are important, and we'll talk about that in a moment. We have to use our minds, and we have to question, and we have to understand. But we have to learn with a basic bittel, with basic humility. And only then are we able to really catch on to the spirituality in the Torah that we were talking about. When a person learns Torah without the proper humility, then Torah is another science. When I realize this is Hashem talking, and Hashem talking to me, then I learn the Torah in the first place with humility, and then I'm a keli, I'm a vessel, to not only pick up the seichel, the wisdom of Torah, but the godliness that's within Torah as well. There's an interesting Mishnah in Pirkei Avis that says, Halaymid Torah Yeled. When you learn Torah with a child, what does it compare to? So it says like when you write on a, on a clean parchment. Halaymid Torah Zakim. When you learn Torah with an older person, what does it compare to? Says the Mishnah in Pirkei Avis. Like you're writing on a parchment that was already written and erased. Well, it's a parchment that already has layers on it, and you're trying to put in something. It's not going to come out the same. That's what the Mishnah says. Learn Torah with a child, you're writing on a clean parchment. Learn Torah with an adult, an older person, you're writing on a parchment that's already sort of uh, smudged. That's what it says in Pirkei Now, think about the Mishnah for a minute. What's the message of this Mishnah? Only teach Torah to children? Then what are adults supposed to do? I mean, it's, it almost sounds like a... You know, it's a good message to teach Torah to children, but it, it also denounces, like, like 
our class over here, like all adult classes. What's the Mishnah trying to say? Adults aren't supposed to learn? Very negative idea, it would seem. If the Mishnah wants to bring out the beauty of learning Torah with children, it could have just said, you learn Torah with children, that's super special. That's it, period, end. Why, you know, why make the adults feel bad? Right? So the Rebbe explains beautifully. He says, it's not talking about children and adults in age. It's talking about what's the attitude of the people who are learning Torah. If you're learning Torah with a person who has the attitude of a child, which means, I want to listen, I want to hear, I want to accept, I learn it with the childish, beautiful, bittal, humility, then that's beautiful Torah. It goes straight in. It goes straight into our nisham. But when we're learning Torah and I feel like an adult, I know and I understand and I have my way of thinking about things and I have my perspectives, now teach. If it's good, okay. That Torah is not going in properly. It's not being accepted with the pristine beauty of a child. So the way the Rebbe sees that Mishnah is not excluding anyone. It's a message to everyone how to learn. And that's why the mitzvah is learned, Vishinantam Levanecha. If we want to learn Torah, we should learn Torah the way children learn Torah. So the mitzvah of learning Torah was given to us, not like all the other mitzvahs says, do it. No, no, no. Teach it to children. Teach it to yourself and be a child when you're learning it. Excellent, excellent. And that's part two of the part two is being that we're talking about learning with humility. So it's about teaching as much as about learning. In other words, when it's about me and looking for my own you know, greatness and knowledge and so on, then it's all about how much I can have. If it's about the the bittal, the humility, then it's about bringing Torah to myself and to others equally. When I'm teaching something, I'm not only concerned about myself. I'm concerned about Hashem's teachings coming down to the world, to me and to the people around me as well. So by saying to teach it to children, it really told me twice the concept of bittal. The concept of, I'm not just learning so I should become wiser, greater, holier, and so on and so forth. I'm learning Torah with that sense of, of nullification to Hashem's Torah. And therefore, I'm going to take it into myself as well, and I'll share it, and all in a way just like the children. So when it says, we're the teacher and we're the child. Correct, correct, correct. Although it doesn't mean to take it away from the simple chat as well, because we'll teach it to our child as well. But at the same time, it's, it's where we learned that I'm going to learn Torah as well. That's the point here is that this is where Hashem gave us the mitzvah of learning Torah. Obviously, there's a mitzvah to learn also, not only to teach. But he gave it to us in this form to underscore the importance of Bittal when studying Torah. I had this week, um, one night I had a um, question-answer session with um, one of the groups, one of the grades in the girls' high school over here. So before, so I, I shared with them something that to me is just one of the most profound things I heard from the Rebbe. And I, was, I had this chutz of actually being by the Fabrengen where the Rebbe explained this idea. Um, and it's like this, in short, in the end of the first Parsha of Chumash, you have um, Parsha's Beratius. What goes on in the end of Parsha's Beratius is the world is going uh, 
I don't know the right word, but that, a, little a little haywire, a lot haywire, and nothing's working out, and everyone's evil, and everyone's immoral, and Hashem says, you know what, I've had enough, that's it, right? Vayinachem Hashem, Hashem regretted making man, and he says, make a flood, and that's the end of it, right? That happens in the end of Parsha's Bereshis. So there's an interesting Rashi. Rashi says that I wrote a response to an Apikoris. An Apikoris is a heretic. Because the Apikoros asks, he says, does Hashem not know the future? Didn't he know that he's going to create man and they're going to mess up and he's going to regret it? What is this with Hashem? What is he, bipolar? Like, he created the world and then he, he regretted it and then he destroyed it and he tried again. So that's what the heretic asked. So Rashi says, and I, so I wrote him the following answer. And Rashi says, basically, um, I don't want to get into it, but, but Rashi says that, I asked him, um, would you ever have a child born in your family? He says, yes. He says, so what do you do? So we celebrated. So I says, didn't you know he's going to die one day? And then you're going to cry. So why are you celebrating? So obviously, in life, there's, we can celebrate something. And later something's going to happen, and it, we might cry. That doesn't take away the celebration. There's good things that happen, and then there's bad things that happen, and you laugh, and you cry. So... That doesn't make us bipolar if the same person can cause happiness and sadness, and the same creation can cause both. That's the, the crux of the answer. I don't want to focus on the answer now. In that Fabrengen, though, the Rebbe focused on the different angle of Rashi altogether, and he asked the following question. He says, this question of the heretic, is it a good question that Rashi has to deal with in Pshat of the Chumash? Yes or no? Is it a pshat question? It is, a, is it a simple, basic question on Chumash? Now, if you'll tell me, yes, it is, so then I understand why Rashi has to address it, why mention that a heretic asked it? If it's a good question that has to be addressed and explained, it deserves explanation in Rashi. So why is it important that a heretic happened to ask it? If, on the other hand, it's not really a pshat question, it's a heretical question, then what's it doing in Rashi? Rashi is a pshat book, right? One of the Rebbe's golden rules of Rashi is that Rashi writes himself that his work is pshuto shel mikra. It's pshat. So here the Rebbe asked, in, in Talmudic language, this is called a question, mimonavshech. I don't know how to say that in English. Mimonavshech means either way. If you'll tell me it's a pshat question, why mention the heretic? If it's not a pshat question, it's a heretic question, that's wonderful. What's he doing in Rashi? That's what the Rebbe asked by a Fabrengen. It was on a Shabbos Bereshis. I'm not sure if it was 91 or 92. And, and then the Rebbe gave this, this just beautiful explanation. He said the following. He says, Rashi is not just Rashi. Rashi is the ultimate commentator to really every classic part of Torah that we learn. Chumash, Navi, Ksuvim, Tehillim, right? Mishnah, Talmud, Gemara, whatever you're learning. It's with Rashi. Rashi is the commentator of Torah. In fact, the name Rashi stands for, simple answer is Rabbi Shlomo Yitzchaki, Shlomo's son of Yitzchak, also written Rabban Shel Yisrael, the teacher of the Jewish people. He teaches us Torah. It's Parshas Bereshis. It's the beginning. Said the Rebbe that Rashi is giving us a general lesson that we should remember for all Torah study, which is, there are good questions, pshat questions. 
that deserve to be dealt with by Rashi because it's a good question. Don't ask it like a heretic. Ask it like a believer. In other words, it's, the same, it's a good question. It's a proper question. But there's two ways to ask the same question. You can ask the same question, which is the question that Rashi is dealing with, I don't understand. Hashem knows the future. So then how did he create a man and man sinned and man had to be destroyed? That's one way. The other way is, what's with Hashem? Doesn't he know anything? Right. Same question. With a grudge and it's, it's the same question. It's a different attitude. So Rashi, who is the ultimate teacher of Torah for Klal Yisrael for all time, in the first parsha, wanted to impart with us a lesson, which is questions, great. Questions are so important because that's how we learn. If you don't ask, you don't learn. And there's a reason Hashem gave us the Torah, which is Seichel, so that we should learn. Recall the people of the book, because we're meant to learn, and learn, and learn, and we only learn through questioning but how to question. There's the heretic and there's the maimin, the believer. And, and therefore, and that's, that's vishinantam levanach, that when we learn Torah, we have to learn with that feeling of bittel, that this is Hashem's wisdom. Of course I'm going to ask, and of course I'm going to explore, of course I'm going to grow, but with the basic um, hakdama, prefacing it with the, with the, with the necessary bittel for Hashem. Well, you said it to the girls' school in... in, in a, I always, in whenever a, I do a question and answer session, I, I almost always, I'll start with this idea. To, to understand how important questions are, and yet how we have to learn how to learn Hashem's Torah. So, but sometimes there's like a kid can be really frustrated, and then they, can, then they can feel guilty for feeling frustrated by their questions. Frust, there's nothing wrong with frustrated. When I don't understand something, I'm frustrated. Doesn't say I can't be frustrated, but when when I put myself myself as Hashem's equal, and that that if, if I don't understand Him, then I don't know about Him, then I, I'm never going to be able to really learn Hashem's Torah. In other words, we have to when we come so to you have learn. To believe that there will be an answer. That there is an answer. That there is an answer, and I'm looking for the answer. That's so the correct. Like like to, be to learn. Hashem yeah. wants us to learn and understand and keep on lear learning and searching and growing. But when I come from the angle of he's wrong, I proved him wrong, unless you prove me right. So even... even but is anyone really a heretic? You know what? Like so, I, I, I so, want to make uh, sure that we're not telling kids like... That's true. That's true. But you, you know, know, so many times I'm learning. We're giving class in yeshiva and someone says, that doesn't make any sense. Right? Slow down. Let's back up a little bit. This is Hashem talking. Right? I want to understand it. It doesn't make sense to me. It's just the way we talk. But if we learn Torah properly, I'm sorry? Or adding the word yet. Even the word yet. Or to me. me. Right. Or I don't get it. Or please. But it's just, you know, sometimes words are powerful. Even the way we say things affect ourselves and the way we take things. And we have to train ourselves how to speak and how to think about Hashem's Torah. That's the Vishinantam Levanacha. That's the bitol necessary to learn Torah properly. Now, the truth of the matter is that this is really true in any field of thinking. You're never really going to be able to learn if you don't have the humility to listen 
and to, to try to understand and not challenge. Challenge is only constructive challenge. That's a really good point. You can't learn anything. You can't really learn anything if you're not open to understand there's something great there that I'm trying to bring into myself. So it's really a true formula for any form of learning. How much more so when we're talking about trying to bring Hashem into me and connecting to the infinite? Because other schools of wisdom are great and, and therefore I have to have a level of humility to understand anything, but at the end they're not Hashem, they're not infinite. Torah is Hashem. So if I don't have that hakdama, that, um, that uh, proper introduction of how to come to learn Hashem's Torah, then I'm sort of almost not giving a chance for the Torah to affect me positively. So it's even more important when it comes to Torah than to anything else. Though, having said all that, there's plenty of people who learned Torah and were not interested, but nevertheless, the Kedusha of the Torah brought them around. So sometimes even inadvertently, even when we're trying not to let it, right, of um, a story that I'm sure you know the people involved, that one of the first people that my father met in Michigan 44 years ago, not your family, um, who came to a shir. Oh, but here, this is interesting that I'm talking to you because your father, Olav Shalom, was the librarian in Adat in, not Adat Shalom, in Shari Tzedek, in Shari Tzedek. One day, this is a story of 42 years old, and my father was learning at that point, Tanya, with your mother, right? And, and sister and her aunts, and your aunts. A person walked in, a, a woman walked into Shari Tzedek Library and asked your father, um, do you know anything about Kabbalah? because I'm into astrology. And I heard that Kabbalah helps with the stars and the moon. So, you know, he was like, her father was the librarian of this huge Jewish library in a, in a um, conservative synagogue in Detroit. So they asked him if he knows anything about Kabbalah. So he said, I don't know much about Kabbalah, but my wife learns with a rabbi, he knows. So they came to my father. So they come, she comes, they come to my father and they say, we want you to teach us Kabbalah, but with one condition. No mitzvahs, no Torah. We don't, that's not what we're looking for. We just need Kabbalah for the stars, for astrology and astronomy. Father, sure, no problem. Tanya, <laughs> chapter one. Find this disclosure <laughs> right here. <you> know? <laughs> okay, 40-something later, 40-something years later, these two women, together with their sister, together with their parents of blessed memory, had all become from children, Eneklach, Ur Eneklach, I don't know, a hundred people today, all from Yidin. Because they learned Torah with the express, clear um, condition. This is not going to affect us because we're not looking for mitzvahs and all that. But it didn't work out that way. So I'm saying Torah is more powerful than we give it credit for being sometimes. And even if we're not looking for it, it has that ability to penetrate. At the same time, in order to learn properly, it's when we learn with the um, with that understanding of humility that we want to connect to Hashem. And that's why it starts with Vishinantam Levanecha. I'll, I'll just say one final idea. The next words are Vidibartabam. To finish, I just have to go get the kids. No, no. <laughs> At, that the next words are Vidibartabam, to speak the words of Torah. Why is speaking so important when we study Torah? What's wrong with just thinking? After all, Torah is thought, is knowledge. Is it important to verbalize the words? If I'm sitting with the chumash and I'm skimming with my eyes, is that okay? 
So it's okay, but it's not the fullest form of learning Torah. Torah is divrei Torah, words of Torah. Why are the words so important when we study Torah? Why is it important to verbalize, to actually say the words? And again, different answers given. One answer in Tanya is to bring it down into my body. It shouldn't just be in the mind. The holiness, the kedusha of the Torah should come down and, and affect my actual lips and my mouth and my physical um, vital energies when I study Torah verbally. That's one idea. But there's another idea, which is speaking the words of Torah is similar to the concept of teaching it to children. What's the connection of speaking and children? Speaking is a lower, if you will, um, soul power than thinking. Thinking is our highest form of being. We're minds, we're intellectual. So we're, we're connecting to God intellectually. Speaking means I'm bringing that connection down. It's not only the intellect of me. It's there to affect me, my, my speech and my body, my goof. So I'm, I'm not only connecting to the Torah at my highest point, I'm bringing it down into me as a human being. Similar to the concept of teaching it to children. People who are not so sophisticated and so you know, intellectually advanced, I'm, I have that bittle to the Torah that I'm learning. So Hashem tells us to learn Torah, to teach it to children, to speak it with our mouths. In other words, to learn Torah with the sense of humility that I'm connecting to something that's so much greater than me, and I'm bringing it down into me, into my, the child within me, into my lower uh, soul powers, into my speech, and that way I become a keli, I become a vessel to connect to the kedusha that's within the Torah that I'm learning. So all of that comes as a direct result of having that love for Hashem via hafta, and that desire to connect, which in turn brings it down um, through the learning Torah and learning Torah in a way of with the proper humility that makes us the vessel to connect to the Torah that we learn. And we will continue with the second paragraph of Kriyashma next week, Monday. <coughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. You're welcome.